All right, welcome back to the Ram Nation podcast. I'm Matt Morton. I'll be hosting today, and I'm joined by Matt Shelton-Eyde and Ed Nixon, here to talk about VCU's performance down in Orlando over the Thanksgiving break. We've got special guest Brad Burgess joining us, VCU assistant coach, former Ram. He talks about his return to VCU and some really good insight into the mindset of some of these local players like Fats Billups and Jason Nelson, particularly with the matchup against Penn State on Sunday. But first, let's catch up with Matt and Ed about the ESPN Invitational. All right, so VCU just got back from the tournament in Orlando. Uh, Not the performance you would have wanted in terms of losing two, winning one, but coming out with a great victory over Mike Rhodes' Penn State team. Ed, I'll start with you. What are your takeaways? How did you, how did you feel um, at the end of the weekend with with how things went down? Uh, I'll say this. Of course, it was disappointing to go uh, one and two. However, it's however we we played pretty damn good basketball. I, I mean, when you look at it, we played uh, Iowa State, a game we dominated the majority of the game. We just don't have the experience. Didn't have the togetherness to close it out. You look at the Boise State, we didn't play well, but it still was a close game. And then when it comes to the Penn State, we we handled business, and that's probably our best full game all in all. You know what I mean? So it was one of those things where you've seen good things happen throughout all the games, but it didn't help watching it. It still sucked to watch, them, watch the team lose. But to see them end it on a good note, and against Penn State, Mike Rhodes, uh, it, it was really, it was really a, uh, it left me with hope. Put it that way, it left me with hope for the season. Can I? I'll tell you what it left me with was joy. Um, after that, <laughs> after the Iowa State game, I was so depressed. It was like what was that Thanksgiving night? I was having yes. a great day, and then to see a fifteen-point lead over a top. 30 team vanish and to be relegated to the loser bracket. I was way more bummed than I should have been with a four point loss to a good team. So, and then Boise state, same deal, big lead, big lead, and then squander it four point loss. And so, you know, it, it's amazing how, you know, and I think it could have been almost any other team and it would not have had the same effect. It feels like, Oh, well then we, we came and we beat, I don't know, some random, you know, Nebraska. I'd be like, I don't, eh, that was an okay performance, but whatever. But yeah. to beat Penn State with Mike, uh, we love Mike, but, you know, and we've done these rematches before, but we never rematched, or not rematches, but the, with the coaches. We never yeah. had it where one of our legends is on the other court trying to beat us. So for right. our guys to, to beat, our coach months after he left, including our top point guard, who's A10 player of the year, it really erased my it was like someone gave me the most powerful drug. And <laughs> I went from complete misery to joy. And I've never you know what I mean? I don't know that I've had a, a win like that, you know. It was like instant perspective too on the other law lo- you know, the losses. So right. Was- that's and kind of you one were, of the most satisfying wins I feel like Ram fans have experienced. 
Ed, you were in Orlando for the tournament. Um, what was the experience like being there? Well, first off, Orlando is wonderful. It's a wonderful place to be. If you haven't been, go there. Go there with your girl. Go there with your kids. Two separate trips. Two different experiences. Um, but stayed at the Gaylord, which was a beautiful hotel. Um, I mean, they had gators in there. They had the Christmas uh, uh, decorations. They had That's real. Plays. You said there are gators in the hotel? Yeah. That's they had a like a little, a little pond with gators in it. They had a water park in the back. They had an arcade. Uh, the, the workout facility wasn't something that just had treadmills in it. It was really, really, really nice hotel. Uh, and another thing about Orlando, it was kind of like a family reunion in a sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Joey Joey Rock showed up. Brandon Rozelle was there. Of course, Brad and Darius were there. Coach Rhodes. Um, Mike Pagese, who was a, a coach. Uh, for BCU, that my junior year, he was a, his assistant coach at uh, Butler now. Um, so it was it was really like a, a really big uh, family reunion. My mom and everybody came up. It was it was lovely. Now when it came to the basketball, uh, the you know college basketball is such a beautiful thing because no matter how packed the gym is or how empty it is, you got fifty people going against fifty people. And it's still such an exciting atmosphere, and that's what the whole tournament was like. Um, it was it was dope to see all these different teams play. It was dope to see VCU grow. I think they they did a lot of growing over the time. I don't foresee us taking a step back like we we've, we've been kind of fighting it, fighting it, fighting it for a while now. With you know you got Manese, and then you got Radford, and then you got Seattle. <laughs> you know, so I I, I think. I think we're going to be done fighting it, and I think we're going to start to make a stride coming up soon, um, starting with uh, Norfolk State. So it was a beautiful thing to see us grow. It was a beautiful thing to see the players enjoy themselves uh, and just be around a lot of family and friends. What's it like, um, you know, being in a crowd that's rather small? Does that take away from that energy or, you know, what's it like being in that arena? No, the energy was hyped up even more. It, I was, it, it was I was proud of one in my living room, and it, and the energy was off the charts. So I can't imagine. Yeah, there it was, it was. It was crazy. The VCU fans were going crazy. Of course, the Penn State fans were there supporting their team as well. But you know how the Ram, you know how Ramley travels. So we were all down there in live effect. Now, me, I, I'm not gonna hold you. It hurt me to sit either across from from Brandon and, and Mike Rose. So I sat literally across from everybody, and I sat there and I cheered for both teams. <laughs> I wanted BCU to win, but I wanted I wanted Ace to do well. I wanted Nick Curran to do well. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So it, yeah. it was it was one of these things where you know it was bittersweet, more sweet because I'm going for BCU. That's my I believe black and gold. Ed, have you have you spoken to Brandon since the game? Yo, you know what? I haven't. I haven't. I haven't. Um, and I, I, I've been thinking think about hitting okay? him up, but I know he's still probably pissed. Yeah. <laughs> Man, I, he, he probably don't want me to tell y'all this, but. He really did not want to play us. Yeah. He he was more so on the side, like, encouraging us to beat Boise State because he's like, bro, I don't want to see both of us in the loser bowl is what he called it. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. I might have I might have texted, texted him to try to get him on this pod. <laughs> and I think it's just because, you know, this Brandon. Like, I'm not yeah. thinking yeah. – I'm not thinking – I think it's because I'm, I'm thinking with a clear head because, like, we won. 
you know, if I was on the losing side, I'd be like, man, this guy, oh, pardon. Yeah. <laughs> but I was like, it's Brandon. Up, it's Brandon, you know, I have not heard back from him on that one. So I realized <laughs> I might've texted too soon. <laughs> <laughs> Probably, you know, you know, Brandon's, Brandon's highly competitive. He's highly competitive. But, you know, Penn, don't get me wrong. Penn State has a lot of good things going for them. However, you know, Ace, Ace Baldwin and Wahab were the only two guys that really showed up for them. Um, and I got you got to credit that to, 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 to BCU's defense, which was, which was on another level that game. Uh, they really did a good job of contesting passes, contesting shots, um, taking good shots. Like, even when we talk about Fats, I think one of the biggest things about Fats was not just that he was making shots, but the shots that he was attempt the shots that he was attempting uh were really good shots. They were rhythm shots, opposed to just a quick pass. Um, somebody's kind of defending me and I'm shooting over the top. So, you know, he found his rhythm getting getting out of transition, and everything. That opened up the floor. Zev Jackson shot the ball well. And that's I'm trying to think of a nickname for Max. It should be uh some lady said sugar. Sugar, <laughs> Max Sugar, Sugar, yeah, that's or good. Cinemax. Um, I mean, I know they're not they're they're out of business, but still. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I'm trying to think of a good name for him, but yeah, he he did a really good job throughout the whole tournament. Um, he turned it up. I, I thought that Max really started to show why Coach Odom really wanted to get him here. Now he showed previously, but there's a lot of games where I just felt like he wasn't really all the way dialed in. But Iowa State, Boise State, Penn State, throughout this whole ESPN Invitational, I thought he really played aggressive. And I think if he continues to do that, no matter if we get uh, Sean or uh, Bamasaw back, um, or when we do, I think if he continues to do that, he he's going to be in, in the contention for player of the year. I think a thing with Max, too, um, and you see this from – certain players is there's just a comfort level with him on the court to me he just feels like a pro we and we've seen pros you know what I mean and he just feels like a pro he does not feel like a nervous college player and so I think that's that feels great now and he dominated that tournament I mean he I wish we had gotten more team wins to reward him Mm -hmm. for performance Mm -hmm. like 13 assists to five turnovers total and he had a you know he averaged like 20 or something um there's just a confidence to his game that i love and i i look forward to watching that confidence grow with his teammates um you know trusting guys more knowing he's got a fats he can hit for wide open shots um but i just think um i just saw something from him and and that whole tournament that i'm like i'm i'm really comfortable with this dude to you know kind of lead this team going forward um, also, too, just I mentioned Fats, but man, what a what a time to break out! Number one, mm-hmm. uh, you know, Penn State, but also we just needed that win. It's a Power Five non conference win, but you know, now we have this guy on the floor that people are going to see. This you know, this dude went five for six against Penn State against a Mike Rhodes defense, and he knocked down shots. We can no longer, we can't sag on this guy. We can't leave him open. You we now have to get in this guy's face, which then creates more space for Max, you know, for Michael Bell, for all these other guys. And um, that just really excites me going forward. Yeah. And, I, you know, and I think Zeb, I think Zeb Jackson kind of, like he played decent the first game against Iowa, 
but he really struggled against Boise State. And, uh, you know, being there in Orlando, I got to see him and Darius after the game, standing on the court, having a long conversation. Um, and, and, you know, through talking to some people, the premise of that conversation was like, yo, it's just basketball. You got you to relax. You get another, you got another, you got another time to go out and play. You got to take some of this pressure off yourself. You got to get back to having fun. And uh, I thought that he played extremely well. And I thought him and Max did a really good job of setting the tone early on in that game. Uh, Max with just his ability to, to drive and, and get into the pain and pick up these early tic-tac. He does a really good job of drawing fouls. Uh, Zeb Jackson was aggressive. And I think Zeb's at his best when he is assisting too. If you look at the games where I feel like he kind of struggles or even though he has 17, his plus minus may not be as well, is when he's not really getting his team involved. Um, and when you got two guys like Max and Zeb that can really dime and get you five to eight assists a night, it's going to open up everything else. And I think that's what happened and allowed Fast to really get going along with the extra motivation. Well, he had, he had six assists against Penn State. And it's really – it's – it's hard to gauge how good Penn State's defense is because they locked down their first four opponents, which, let's be real, were cupcakes. And they yeah. got torched in Orlando by everyone. But, but you know, Mike Rhodes, we know he can coach defense. He has the Atlantic 10 Defensive Player of the Year, you know, leading his team. I'm curious to get your take, Ed, not, not to turn this into a Penn State thing, but more so to reflect on maybe where our offense is. What do you think was the issue with Penn State's defense um, in well, this tournament, but especially against us? I think uh, I didn't really catch too much of the Butler game, right? But the Texas A&M game, I thought they did a good job of guarding. They just couldn't rebound. They really couldn't rebound. Texas A&M is, is a physical team. They got size. Um, and they, they, had a, they had a guy that was really good at scoring, but – I think the issue with that game was rebounding. With us, it was more so of we just brought the energy. We imposed our will on them. You know what I mean? Um, and then on top of that, we were hitting everything. We were hitting everything. Now, I, I don't know. I don't know if we can continue to shoot the ball the way we did against Penn State moving forward. However, the respect is there is going to be there for Gage moving forward as, as well. We'll be right back with Brad Burgess. All right, uh, our guest, uh, you know, is super excited to have this guy not only on the podcast, but just back in Richmond, Virginia. Um, he n- needs no introduction, but I'll introduce him anyway. Bradford Burgess, VCU legend. What's up, Brad? What's up, fellas? What's going on? Welcome back, man. How's it feel to be back in the in the capital city? Uh, it's wonderful, man. It was great to be home. Uh, no place like home, as you know. So um, it's just been an amazing feeling. Uh, just trying to get these guys, uh, you know, uh, in, in the right direction, and hopefully we are on the path there. Um, you know, every day is a new day. Every day is an opportunity. And uh, these guys are, are eager to learn, ready to work, and um, it's just a pleasure to get there each and every day and uh, just be around the group, coaches, staff alike. For sure. But, but players alike, we, I mean, coaches, players alike. For sure. But before we get into talking about this team, I want to know, like, how long were you kind of 
cooking up this idea on a return because you know you were you were the pretty proud organization organization the Chicago Bulls for those listeners of ours that didn't know how long were you cooking up the idea of getting back into college hoops and just coming back to VCU? Um, well, it was always a dream of mine to get into college at some point. Um, I had always stayed in contact with all my former coaches and assistants that are now, um, you know, head coaches or top assistants at their respective places. Um, you look at like all of coach Grant's assistants uh, have pretty much had a chance to, uh, be a head coach or if not a top assistant, um, coach smart staff is the same way. And, um, just been, you know, making sure I'm, I'm in, in good standing with all of them, just in case, you know, the time comes where I say I am interested, they're willing to give me a chance. Um, because obviously, you know, it's different from playing and coaching and, uh, just the, the understanding, um, of like time and, and how to manage working with the players, doing your scouting, doing your, recruiting doing all that stuff that goes into to college sports and um just being able to, to manage those and um you know obviously put your best foot forward in all of them just thinking about that it kind of blows my mind to see just kind of especially you guys were you came through under an incredible coaching tree you know you played with shaka will wade mike rhodes uh, mike morrell's uh, head coach mike jones um, how, how much does it blow your mind and your mind too, Ed, just to see the, sort of the tentacles of these coaching trees span, or the roots, I guess, if you will, span so wide, and, and also just to create so much opportunity for you guys? Well, I'll go first. Uh, I'm not even in coaching, uh, so my perspective is going to be different, or slightly different from Brad's, but... You just get to appreciate the greatness you are around, to be honest with you. Uh, from AG's coaching staff, all going off doing things, to Shaka's staff, uh, Rose at Penn State, which we'll get into later, uh, Will Wade at McNeese State, who beat UAB not too long ago. You know what I mean? Uh, Mike Jones at, at Greensboro, they're doing very well. And, uh, so I didn't really get to uh, be under the tutelage of Morrell. However, um, I was, you know, I've, I've been living in Richmond, so I, I got to see him uh, mature from being a assistant coach and all the, all the things that come with growing with that to him becoming a mature head coach. Um, it's just a beautiful thing to see, and you're, uh, I'm just lucky to be a part of that. And Brad, how did you how did you kind of start the conversation um, to? to make this happen um well <laughs> other than me I, blowing you up on twitter <laughs> tell me we gotta get you back i uh no so um but just before i get to that just to piggyback off ed you know just to appreciate the the you know the greatness that we're around and i mentioned before like coach grant's assistant coaches um, um if i'm not mistaken i think all of them had a chance to be a head coach if not ours like I knew Pujol is still at North Alabama. He's head coach. Obviously, Coach Brandon had his opportunity at Cincinnati. Um, coach Edwards had Wyoming. Um, who am I missing? I think that's, that's all. Um, obviously, Kane. Coach Kane, Kane, like, like Kane, like I said, or, or a top assistant like Kane. Yeah. Been a top assistant everywhere. And, like, look at the talent that he's found. 
Right. And, you know, to, to be around a group that brought us to VCU to think we were talented and just to, you know, catch their eye in the same breath has just been um, a, a pleasure to, to see from, from near and, and far. Um, but to answer your question, uh, I have been in conversation with Ed about trying to come back. Um, I actually had a good conversation with him when the team came up to Chicago when they played Loyola last year. And, um, you know, I expressed interest in, um, and then when, when coach, uh, coach Odom came in and, and I was able to have a conversation with him and, um, he just had the, the same idea of bridging the gap from, um, old and new and, uh, just, he, he's a great guy to be around, great guy to work for, uh, or with, it's not even like you're working for him, you're working with him. Um. You know, he's a basketball mind. He's just a, a great overall dude, and it, it makes you want to be your best for, for him and, and the staff and the players. And um, just being able to have a conversation with him and express my ideas and thoughts and, and experiences um, along with his and what his ideas were for VCU moving forward, uh, I thought we – or we both thought it was a, a perfect match. And, um, you know, uh, he just – Called me one day with the news, and I, I wish I could could have jumped through the phone and hugged him. But uh, it, was, <laughs> it was it was great. It was great. Brad, how how did that move look for you? Because I know that stuff can kind of happen fast, and you've got a family, and you know what, um, what does that relocation look like? Uh, it wasn't as bad. Like we had to relocate from Richmond to Oklahoma City through the pandemic and then um, from Oklahoma City to Chicago. So it wasn't as bad as those two, but um, in the same breath, we had to wait for our oldest to finish elementary school. Um, and then we're getting married at the end of June. And then um, like I had to basically start around the same time and um, <laughs> move back to Richmond. So uh, it, was, uh, it was a lot. Um, but we we got it done. We we had uh, um, friends from Chicago helping us, and, and friends here helping us look for homes. Shout out to Matt; he's giving us some stuff. Um, but uh, we made it work, man. Um, you know, and, and that's the big part of the reason why we wanted to come home. Somebody, uh, excuse me, so many people were willing to uh, just help us and 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 try to get us settled in as quickly as possible. Um, you know, to allow us to to get to work. And now that you're getting to work, um, kind of back to that coaching tree thing, you know, you're on staff, you're coaching and you're matched up. Uh, another guy on the sidelines, Brandon Rozelle. Um, did you think this early in you'd, you'd be coaching against a former teammate with your, a former coach of yours on the, on the, uh, other, other bench? Uh, no, not, not this soon. Um, obviously, you know, with, uh, Coach Rhodes leaving, you know, you got that, that home and away. Um, but we knew the possibility was there to play in state. Um, in a perfect world, it would have been in the championship as opposed to, you know, the seventh, eighth place game. But, um, you know, it, it happened the way it happened. And, uh, you know, we, we had, somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. And, right. uh, you know, um, personally, obviously, thankfully, we were on the winning side, but it wasn't easy. Uh, it was definitely an emotionally charged game. And, um, you know, obviously, you know, I, I love those guys. Like you said, Brandon's my brother, like Coach Rhodes. 
Uh, great coach, great, great guy. Love him. Uh, love the staff. And um, so look like Greg Golden, strength coach, like all those people we I have uh, shared memories with. So um, it wasn't easy, but like I said, some somebody had to win, somebody had to lose. When so when when that happened, when the matchup happened, and there was no getting out of it. Is there any conversation between you, you all? Is there a friendly text? Or is it just like, all right, we're enemies for 48 hours? Um, uh, for me, well, I don't think there was any texting for me. Or whatever. There wasn't any texting for mine. Like, when I saw them in warm-ups, like, I, you know, I just dapped them, gave them a quick hug, told them I loved them, and just kept moving because, like, you don't want it to take away from uh, – the your 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 focus on the game because that that kind of happened uh with me uh when we played coach grant down in alabama like i was so so focused on um beating them that like i wasn't focused on the team and um like i was just i was just like on edge with it with everything (laughs) and just like super emotional but um like that was a game that we probably should have won, could have won, um, but I was I wasn't in the best space because I was just all over the place as opposed to focus on the team and winning. Brad, do you think do you think there are guys on your team that were in that headspace too uh, against Penn State? Because I mean, you've been there before. You know what that feels like as a player. And as much as you want to teach them not to think that way, certainly they are. You know. I, I kind of wondered, like, was was Fats, like, success tied to that in some way? Because he just exploded for 23. Um, yeah, I had a good conversation. I had a good film session with Fats before the game. Um, just, like, the biggest thing with him is just his confidence. Like, he's um, super talented. Uh, and just, obviously, he, he's, his size and ability on the floor is, um, you know, it, it – opens up our offense to another level and just having him being the confident player that he can be. Um, you know, we, we need that for him and for us, for our team. And, um, you know, I just showed him some, some clips of, of him and where he could uh, provide some, some opportunities for us and, um, you know, just to, to go out there and have fun and be himself. And uh, he did that. Obviously the, the, emotionally charged aspect of it being Penn State was there but um you know hopefully that's not just his performance versus his former coach hopefully that's uh you know something similar then I always obviously I always have to be 23 points but hopefully it's something where um you know he's providing a spark off the bench for us which you know kind of Brandon Rozelle Rozelle as as you would like to think and then um I also had a good conversation with uh Zeb before the game, just telling them, like I just told y'all, just, um, you know, I literally had been in their position before my senior year going down to Alabama and just being so charged up and, and making it about them as opposed to leading my team and and, and our group and and winning, um, you know, just just more focused on, on the other side. And I told him that he has everything that he needs to do to win and, and lead us. And it's not about um, – you know, how many shots he makes. It's just about being that great leader that he can be and that he's, he's shown us thus far. And, um, you know, the the shots will fall. And just being that kind of leader and point guard that he can be 
getting guys involved early and, and, and making plays like the game is going to show him and tell him when he needs to step up and when he needs to, um, you know, make those big plays. And he did that for us. Absolutely. I, uh, I kind of I was there in Orlando, which you knew, Brad. But uh, mm-hmm. seeing, I saw your mom, by the way. I don't know if she told you. I saw your mom. She did. Yeah, she, did. Okay, she, did. Yeah. she did. She did. She did. She uh, yeah. did. <laughs> she was very happy to see y'all. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> but uh, I could tell there was a little bit of extra on there, you know, just for the for for those guys. Um, Fats had a tough game against Boise State, so I knew he wanted to bounce back. And then going against Ace. And knowing the dynamic that him and Ace had uh, the previous year, I know he really wanted to perform. And Fats, you know, not really being able to showcase his talent and abilities last year um, under Coach Rose for whatever reason, that, you know, from the celebrations, from the too small, you know, to, to how hype he was. Now, it, a lot of that could have just been, you know, I'm, I'm hitting shots and I'm feeling confident. But mm-hmm. there's a little extra sauce there, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I love to see it. And granted, I don't think he's going to be averaging 23 points from here on out, but hopefully that's something that he can use to build upon. Yeah, for sure. Um, like, you, you you saw it. Like, you don't even have to, to like, really hash on it. Like you saw the the celebration. So, I mean, all these all these kids know that they celebrate so much for one shot. It's crazy. <laughs> but, um you know, everybody was doing the, you know, the, the three to the arm and the two small and all that yeah. stuff. Like, but, uh, you know, that's part of the game. Um, you know, obviously the referees knew it was an emotion charge game as well, and they were quick to throw out the tees. Um, yeah, that was so, crazy. Yeah, but, um, like, it, it just, it was, it was great to see him and play to his abilities, man. Like, he can, like I said, it doesn't have to be 23 points every game, and that's the, that's the beauty of our team. We have other guys. Uh, that are capable, um, you know, hopefully we're getting Sean back here soon. And, um, you know, hopefully NCAA stops tripping and let Joe play. And, um, you know, even, even if he doesn't, we still have plenty on our roster to make things happen. Like Jay Nell is coming back um, soon. So we, we have guys that are starting to, to click in terms of offense and defense. Like, um, you know, we still have Michael Bell, like Kwani hasn't even, hit his shots like he was hitting in the preseason. Those things will come. It's just, uh, you know, we just get guys playing the right way. The the, the shots will fall when they're, when they're supposed to. And it's a long season, too. Brad, I thought a cool moment from that um, was, I don't remember what number three it was for Fats. It must have just been a big one. But you were the first guy off the bench to basically chest bump him. It was a, they, someone, they, I guess Penn State called a timeout. I just thought that was such a neat moment. For like a, a Richmond VCU legend mm. to to do that, but the other thing I thought about that game was um, it kind of addressed a real need of ours, which was you know we had kind of struggled as a team to hit threes. So now you've got a guy. How big do you think that is for VCU and for our offense? For when you throw fats out there, one he has the confidence to shoot those shots because I saw him passing up those shots in previous games in that same tournament. It was like, hey, I don't want to shoot this because if I miss it, you know, I'd rather have Max or something. How, how big yeah. do you think his performance was just for the team? And now, like, as a floor spacer, you know, like, for what we want to do, which is assault the paint, how big do you think that performance is for his confidence and our team? Uh, it's huge. It's huge, man. Like I said, it just opens up another layer for us um, on the offense. Like, 
the the Richmond guys, like you know, I, especially Fats and Jason. Um, they, before every game, I always ask them. I, I say, I say, hey man, where are you from? You know, I just ask them where are you from. You know, just because I know the Richmond guys, and you know, they they say eight hundred four or they say Richmond, like, and just it it, it carries a, a different meaning, especially playing for BCU and being from Richmond, and and it, it means it means something. Like it carries a, a a kind of weight, a certain weight that isn't supposed to be taken for granted or taken lightly, and like it's a representation of this city. With, with every minute that they're playing on the court. And, you know, it's a, a, a certain swagger that uh, Richmond basketball has and, and their athletes have that they play with. Um, you know, obviously you saw it with myself and Brandon and and, and, and toughness that, uh, you know, BCU plays with, like with my brother and with Kale Sims and, um, you know, uh, all, all the Richmond guys. And, um, like, that that's representation that they have with all the minutes that they're playing not only represents them and their families but also represents the Richmond players of the past so like they have to honor that and, and step on the, on the court every moment knowing that and uh, you know just if, if they understand nothing else needs to be explained like they just go out there and, and, and do what it do well Brad I think I mean we've had you on for quite a while um, fellas any any final pressing questions I mean, we know we know how to find this guy, but uh, I, I, I got one thing to ask Brad. Well, this is this is for me because I'll be I'll be calling the game tomorrow. Uh, so, what do you think the keys to the game for for you all will be? Um, we got a guard. They have uh, a talented point guard, the the head of the snake. Like he, he got a guard. He he can handle. He can shoot. He can score at three levels. He can he can pass if needed. Like he uh, is. Is super confident, super quick, and, and um, athletic. Just, uh, athletic, and um, they have other guards that like to go one on one. They have shooting, um, and they play hard. Like we, it's a, a team similar to McNeese in, in this fact that you know they come in here trying to kick our our, our butts. Um, you know they have some some local ties on, on the team, so you know they're going to be charged up, ready to play. Mm-hmm. And um, you know it's, it's a, a state school coming into. Um, <clears throat> you know, one of the big boys of the state. So, you know, they're going to be charged up. The, the coaching staff is going to try to use that as fuel to their fire to, to come out swinging and swinging for the fences. And, um, you know, we got to be ready for it. All right, Brad, we'll let you go. But I, I do have one last question. It's, yes, it's almost, it's Christmas time. It's right around the corner. You guys rocking a fake tree or a real Christmas tree this year? Um, so I mean, come on, man. We're all dads in here, man. I got kids. I can't do the the, the real tree just right right now. <laughs> um, I got I got the fake I got the fake tree right now because uh, my youngest he he's quick to get all the uh, ornaments that are you know like six to eight inches off the ground. So uh, and plus I don't, I don't want him like pulling on the tree. <laughs> That's a very thorough answer, so I appreciate that. Yes, sir. <laughs> yes, sir. Matt, you got some interesting stats. Uh, what you got for us? I do. So I have, um, inspired by the old famous Western, the good, the bad, and the ugly, I have three stats. I have the good, I have the bad, and I have the ugly. The good... <laughs> 
Um, and we've talked, we've touched on this a bit, but three players on this team right now are shooting over 40% from three. And we have a three-point shooting problem. But we have three players right now, Max, Jason, who's injured, and now Fats, who have 40% plus three-point shooting percentage on the year. Now, when we get Sean back, he's a high 30s. So all of a sudden, what goes from a team who can't hit three is now you have to respect three. Ed, I want to get your opinion on why you think we struggled early with the three and why, why do you think, you know, what's working when we are hitting threes? Well, I think it all comes down to shot selection. Now, it's kind of contradicting because you hear about Coach Odom and what he wants to do. Um, which is play fast, get shots up quick. However, the personnel we have now, that doesn't necessarily fit their MO. So I think we were trying to play the way Coach Odom wants us to play early on, which led us into a bad selection of shots. Now we're starting to get a good feel, and we're starting to get better shots, i.e. that's why Fats had. If you look at the shots that Fats took and made against Penn State, they were off one more passes. They were off rhythm. Like, there's nothing else for me to do but take this shot. And he knocks them down at a higher rate. Jason Nelson only takes those type of shots from three. You know what I'm saying? Max is the, is the only one as of right now who has a good enough percentage of creating from for himself for shooting threes. And he will pull up and from he'll pull up oh, on, yeah. some, on some random ones, which is great. It means you, you know, you cannot give him an inch. Uh, my second stat, the bad, turnover margin. Uh, we're VCU basketball. Havoc lives here. And we've had some issues on the offensive side in years past, particularly two years ago. We're turning about the same percentage. But the challenge is we're not really creating turnovers. So our turnover margin on the year is negative 29, which works out to negative four per game. We've only been in the positive on turnover margin one game. That was against Radford, a game we won by 23 points. Ed or Matt, turnovers, what is? what do you think is the issue? Are we rushing it on the offensive side of the ball? I don't know, man. I would say um, it to, up to this point, it's I, I guess the most obvious turnovers are down low in the paint, and it seems like some bigs have had some trouble there. But there's also been some uh, lackadaisical passing that's happened um, up to this point. I, Taking away the t- the tournament, you know, because I, I don't know that that was as big of a problem. But, um, you know, I just it seems like guys are playing a little more uh, smart, just kind of yeah. thinking, thinking more deep into, you know, how they're moving the ball around. Ed, am uh, I right? <laughs> I, I would agree. I would agree with that. Uh, and I think part of that is KYP. Know your personnel. Right. Uh Toby Lawal, I don't want you throwing bounce passes to Toby Lawal. Throw it to the rim or throw it out out of the atmosphere. He'll still go get it. Um, when it comes to Furman, I'd rather you just hand it off to him. He's not ready for those type of passes. The passes that he'll be getting, he's not really ready for all those just yet. Um, and I'm and and when it comes to that, if we take that out, that eliminates four turnovers a game. And then when it comes to us not turning teams over, I think our defense is coming along. I think our chemistry is coming along. So I do think 
both of these things will get better. And I think that margin will be shrunk, be, be shrunken because we're going to, we're going to take care of the ball more. And I think that, I don't know if we turn it over. What was our, what was Penn State? How many games, how many, how many turns we had against Penn State, you know? Uh, how many do, do we turn over ourselves? Yes. 15, 15 on 15. offense. We turned them over 11 times. Okay. And the game before? Uh, that one, let me, I have to look that up. That is, uh, we turned it over 14 times. Boise turned it over eight times. Yeah. So I think, I think KYP, knowing your personnel is going to get better. It, it has no choice but to get better. Eventually people are going to be like, okay, I'm just going to take this shot instead of passing this ball. Um, because I think they can take the shot. Michael Bell is a corporate, is a corporate of that. I think Michael Bell plays 6-10 on defense and 6-3 on offense. And I think eventually he's going to realize, damn, I'm 6-8 and I have two feet in the paint, four feet away from the basket. I should probably just go up with this. Yeah. Instead of him trying to make a pass or a turnover, instead of him trying to do that spin move and getting lost and, you know, getting a turnover that way too. So, and I, I'm not blaming all other things of Michael Bell. But just things like that. Like, Zev Jackson has the thing that he's such a uh, team player that he'll try to make passes without thinking about who he's passing to. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So, uh, just certain things like that, which I think will get better in time. So, it, there you have it. Doesn't it seem like the bigger offenders are the younger players right. on the team? And so, like, the, you know, they're just used to, um, you know, playing a lesser competition. And, you know, uh, this is a different ball game. Well, you got to adjust and be, figure out how to make the right pass. It, it doesn't just seem that way. That is statistically correct. Um, if you go down the stats, turnover percentage, at least wise, youth kind of jumps off the page. Youth and inexperience. Um, and, you know, and if you talk to any freshman college player and you say, what's the difference between D1 college athletics and where you're from, even if they played for freaking IMG, they say that the pace of the game the speed and it takes a while and you can see i mean some guys pick it up immediately but even some of the greats turn it over <clears throat> a lot early and so it's just knowing where you're supposed to be knowing what you're supposed to do and to me yeah experience and some guys are just turnover prone and they, they carry that with them during their careers but i think a lot of these guys bell in particular fats uh that's in play i mean he's 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 a red shirt but he didn't play hardly any last year berman didn't yeah. play at all Right, um, and so I think youth and inexperience is a, a big thing that jumps off the page. My last stat: this is the ugly one, and this actually ties in with that because of the rebounding. Even though we we're so big, uh, we aren't rebounding at an elite level. Um, we do a better job on the defensive side than the offensive side. Michael Bell plays his heart out, but as a team, we're just not a strong rebounding team. So the uh, a lack of strong rebounding plus a turnover margin. We're getting six fewer shots than our opponents each game, which really puts the pressure on you. Now we are right. defending pretty elite. Um, we're not shooting. We're shooting really well inside the arc, and we're doing better from three. But think about that. Every game, if, if I said, "All right, we're going to spot the other team six more shots," right? Will, will you win? And that's that's a challenge. It, it is. It is a challenge. And uh, the good thing is. We have the personnel to get better at that, right? It's just something that has to be harped upon by the coaches. Um, mm-hmm. Like I think, 
half, I mean, shoot, half the time, I feel like we get our hands on the ball and we don't secure it. Hmm. You know what I mean? Toby the wall is a busybody down there. Uh, Furman does a really good job of trying to tap it out, but we just have to do a better job of secure, securing the ball. There's a lot of time, like, I can name three three games off the top of my head where we would get a rebound and somebody would just be there under us, hitting the ball out, hmm. getting them an extra possession. And I don't know if they count that as a rebound. I don't know if they count it as a turnover or if it's just a loose ball. But that could be part of the issue as well. And we just have to – it has to be harped upon. Hey, dominate the boards. We have one of the biggest teams – I'm going to say the country, but definitely in the A-10. Um, we should we can, we can really do damage in that department. Right. We have the 44th tallest team on average in the country. Um, but related to this stat, and this is kind of a bonus stat, Sean Bairstow. Um, right now, our leading sort of turnover guy in terms of securing the ball is Max Shulga. He turns it over just 17.5% of his possessions. Last year at Utah State, Sean Bairstow, a point forward of sorts, turned the ball over 15%. So that's less than anyone on our team. Uh mm. I mean, no, excuse me, he turned it over 14.8%, so technically less. And he had an assist rate of 15%, which is better than everyone on our team except for Max and Zed. So when Sean Berso gets healthy, you're going to have a forward who turns it over less than, you know, than Fats, than Bell, than Kwani, than Toby, and he passes better than everyone on our team that isn't a point guard. And so right. personnel can really change a lot. And so we need that foot healing up because sometimes, you know, the greatest sort of um, the easiest way to solve a problem is just with dudes and, you know, just get guys that can hoop, you know? And yeah, I think Perso is, is really going to help there. But those are my, I think so too. My big, I think so too. Yeah. That, that are, I'm kind of focused on and I'm curious to see, what we do, because we played a really brutal schedule. Norfolk State is going to be the first team we've played so far this year that ranks below 200 on Ken Palm. So I'm curious to see, you know, against, on paper, a lesser opponent, you know, how, how we clean some of these things up. Well, I, I think, I think of course, getting Sean, getting Sean back is going to be great. I think one thing that Sean does well is he just knows the, he just knows the game of basketball. He knows angles. He knows when to drive. And he's one of the three-level scorers that we have. You know what I mean? I think Zeb is, is somewhat of a three-level scorer, but he struggles shooting three. Sean shoot, shoots the three at a, at a higher clip. But when he gets in the paint, he has the patience to, to recognize whether he has a smaller guard or smaller guard on him. He'll just shoot over the top. And then he can all, get all the way to the cup, and he may dunk it on you as well. So mm. I really think that uh, getting Sean back whenever we do, I heard rumors about tomorrow. I could be completely wrong, but I heard rumors about that. Feels uh, um, it would be nice. It would be very guy. nice. But uh, we'll we'll see. We'll see how things go. Hey, quick random question: Is Zeb kind of our Russell Westbrook? Is that is that a terrible comparison? A college version? I mean, you know, he's Russell Westbrook. That's a lot to unpack. Is on is on a whole other thing, but you know what I mean. He just yeah. He I don't know. There's things there that remind me of him. No, I, I would agree. I think, I think 
that's very that's kind of on point um, because I think Russ and Zeb are really good guys, and they play extremely hard, and they can fill up a stat sheet, but then they they do plays that make you scratch your head. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So at the same time, give me Russ. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> be that, be that. I I will take that production that Russ, especially. Mm-hmm. We're not talking about old. We're talking about young Russ. Yeah. So we'll we'll take some of those turnovers, some of those plays at least that they make you wonder. But with all that other production, right? His defensive effort. I think him and uh and and uh Michael Bell are the are the two heads to our defense. So be my guess. Yeah, it's kind of like with that with like Zeb or Russ. It's kind of like. It's like driving a drag car to the grocery store. You know what I mean? Like that car yeah. is not meant to, to go 35 miles. An hour. Like it's, it's not <laughs> going to feel good driving through the city to Kroger. It's got to right. go. Like it is, you need to let it do its thing. And it, it kind of feels like how it is with Zeb. Absolutely. And I, and I think, I think, look, Zeb is one of these guys that he's a sponge, seriously. So he'll sit there and he'll take advice and he'll listen to you and he'll really try to process it and, and put it through and implement it. Uh, so I think I think he'll get better. I, I think he'll do better, um, especially once Sean gets back and he's not left in these moments where he has to try to force something to happen. Um, I think I think he'll be a, a better production. So obviously, as great as as the Penn State win uh, feels for VCU, it is a P five win, um, and hopefully the Nittany Lions can now root for them. We need them to do well because that is how the Atlantic Ten is going to get more teams in the NCAA tournament. So real quickly, I don't know if you guys have been watching much A ten hoops outside of VCU, but quick uh, little note: at the moment, the Atlantic Ten ranks as the number eight league on Ken Palm. Last year, we were number 13, which is insanely low. That was a one-bid league. The uh, the last year we, we were uh, the eighth-ranked league was in 2017, which was a three-bid year. So question for you both. How much A-10 hoops have you got to see outside of VCU? I know last night I watched St. Joe's take out Villanova at Villanova. Um, thoughts around the league from you, from you two? I can go real quick. I... Really haven't watched a lot of um, other league games so far this season, but I'm looking at the the standings within the league, and it's kind of crazy because there's not a team with a losing record at this point. I mean, VCU is at the bottom of the list at four and three, right? I mean, tied with you know Richmond, Loyola, Fordham, Davidson, but um, it's definitely feels like um, the A-10 has a lot more momentum than it did by this point last last season. And, you know, there's, what, a month to go? Yeah, I mean, one thing that I was thinking about earlier kind of related to that is one of the worst teams, believe it or not, in the Atlantic 10 right now, based on the metrics, is St. Louis. Like, mm. so think about that. You know, years past, you're like, all right, well, we got Fordham. Like, these are – or last year, Rody was terrible – you're like, Loyola was terrible. You're like, all right, we have these games. LaSalle, okay. But one of the worst teams is like, man, you got to go to Chaffetz Arena. And <laughs> that's your that's your banana peel, your landmine, is a St. Louis. Um, 
Wow. And they're not bad. I think there's only, I think currently LaSalle is the only team outside of the Ken Palm top 200. And they should have beaten Temple on the road last night. And they're five and two. And so yeah. um, I think the question is that the league seems deeper and it doesn't seem like there's absolute duds like there used to be. But the question right. is, do we have enough at the top? You know what I mean? I think Dayton, they're on their way to being at large worthy, but who else is? You know? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah. Have you, Ed? Have you watched many other league games? And uh, and then Matt also, like, uh, who do you think the best, the top four looking teams right now are? Um. Okay. So I have been watching some, um, paying t- paying attention to more. Uh, like I did. I did like a. A video just of who I think was going to be the top three surprising teams in the A10 this upcoming season: uh, Saint Bonaventure, Saint Joe's, and Duquesne. You know what I mean? And Jimmy Clark is playing out his mind so far. Mm. Trey Clark. Uh, Saint uh, Saint Bonaventure has played a, a, a number of uh, I think like top one, top fifty, maybe top fifty teams, and they played them tough. Just haven't been able to seal the deal. In uh, St. Joe's, we just spoke about getting that big win last night. So, and George Mason, I'm tapped in over there. George Mason, they look like they got, they took a big leap forward this year. I expect them to be a very talented, and they always play us well. But as far as all those games they were losing last year that they shouldn't have, I don't think they're gonna have that this year. They got some new, they got a new coach, new talent over there, and they got a guy I can't remember his name. He's a lefty. But he's a big guard. Hit a game winner for them earlier this year. Or uh, probably like last week or something like that. They're going to be something to look out for. So that big guard is Keyshawn Hall. And I believe we, we were recru- I believe we were recruiting him as well. Um, I think we were like a potential landing spot. I don't remember if that was Rhodes. Or I think it was probably Odom because he's a UNLV transfer. Mm-hmm. Um and you know Odom recruit recruit you know he has a lot of ties out there currently, um, but that said, I am kind of I'm kind of I would sell George Mason's stock high, um, just because I do think they're solid. But if you really like scan their schedule, um, they haven't really played anyone. Their you know their wins are like their best wins are like us beating Stanford. You know what I mean? So mm-hmm. I just think that I think the jury's still out on them. Um, Duquesne. They picked up their best win. Uh, I think it was last night. They beat UC Irvine, which doesn't sound sexy. They were a good team last year. They're top 75 Ken Palm team currently, which we are not. So mm-hmm. they can play. They have, both their losses are top 50 losses. Um, the challenge is there's not a lot of meat on their schedule. They have a game against Bradley, but really they're going to have to do all their damage in the conference. Mm-hmm. Obviously for us, we have a huge opportunity with Memphis. Um, the Home game against Temple is not going to really move the needle. It's really we need Penn State to be good, and we need McNeese State to McNeese State just throttled a good UAB team last night. But yeah. we need to beat Memphis and avoid any duds. We can't lose to Norfolk State um, like the Bonnies did. They lost to Kinesis, even though they have a nice win over Oklahoma State. But I think really Dayton, and then same thing St. Joe's. St. Joe's picked up a great win at Villanova. Um, the problem is they lost to Texas A&M. Commerce, not Texas A&M. Actually. <laughs> Commerce. 
which they're if you look at them up their their logo looks like stratton oakmont um from wall street but yeah (laughs) there's a few blemishes like that but overall it's it's doing well but i think right now dayton is your clear like we need them to be the at-large team and then get knocked out but can we sneak in as an at-large possibility i think it's possible can st joe's do the same um and duquesne as well so it's i think it's promising to see the league not look utterly media mediocre like it did last year and the year before do you think how many at larges do you think the league could get this year? If I, I it think trends in the current direction. I think I think a lot would have to fall in the you know in the in our favor. Um, I think like tops would be three, just mm-hmm. knowing knowing where, where we started and what what's left. Um, but also too because again the challenge with the league being more balanced is like there's landmines throughout. You know what I mean? Like yeah, maybe the yeah. losses aren't going to be as bad, but it's just going to be much harder for teams. It's going to be harder for that second place team to finish maybe 14 and four. You know what I mean? And yeah. So I think that's kind of what you need. So I think like, I think two is probably a more realistic expectation. I think three is like you spike the football and hope we're building. Cause there's so many good coaches in this league. Mm. Um, and who knows what's going to happen at St. Louis with Travis Ford, but I think I think three is tops. I would agree. I would definitely agree. Um, and that, that's I mean we got we, we still got so much non conference to play, um, or we got some non conference to play a month worth. So uh, I'm, I'm we got to take care of business the rest of our non conference. And Memphis is going to be tough. I seen them play. Yeah, I mean we have six non conference games left. You know that's. Uh, one more than we've currently played so, or one less than we've currently played so there's a there's a lot to be done here in the next month I yeah I, I would prefer us go go into uh conference play with no more than five losses 